Hello, and welcome to Rethinking Humanity. I'm Lacey Delane. Hi, I'm Sonia Lorea. And we are live, coming at you here from Atlanta, Georgia. We really wanted to open up a conversation tonight about a very important documentary that has just come out um, called The Social Dilemma. And um, Sonia is going to tell you a little bit more about that in just a second. But we want to welcome you and we want to ask you and encourage you to participate. We want to respond to your comments and questions and thoughts um, so that it will enrich our conversation. And we have a focus segment of just reading what comments that you guys have shared with us, um, as well as seeing them throughout the broadcast. Also, we have two special guests. Tyreen Pamstein and Kateri Ransom, who are we are so excited to have just two more brilliant minds to hear from um, on this topic. So we're really excited. We're hope we hope that you guys enjoy uh, enjoy the broadcast. So Sonia, tell us about this this um, documentary. Okay, guys, uh, this is a great documentary that I recommend everyone watch, whether you are on social media or not, it's on Netflix. And as Lacey said, it's called a uh, social dilemma. This is a documentary that has previous tech leaders from like Facebook, Twitter, Gmail, TikTok, Instagram. I'm sure many of you know these platforms and potentially use them. And they discuss the effect and impact that the social media is having on society as a whole exactly how our attention is getting mined and how they are keeping mm -hmm. our attention. So it's a very provocative film. Um, again, whether you're a user or not, I think these platforms affect all of us in society. So I highly, mm -hmm. highly recommend you watching it. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you can find that again on Netflix. And while we're here, before we get too deep into our conversation, I just want to say thank you to the folks who made that film, um, you know, Tristan Harris and, mm -hmm. you know, the folks who the team of people who decided that they were going to do this. I can't imagine, um, you know, how how nervous that I, I know there's a part in the in the documentary where he's going out on stage to talk about this. And he and the guy says, how are you? Remember that? <laughs> I'm nervous. I'm scared. Yeah. So imagine how nervous he might have been and they all might have been in putting something like this out, but it's for the greater good. So we just want to say on behalf of, you know, the, the podcast, our listeners, ourselves and really humanity. Thank you for for doing this. Definitely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So with that, we'll say, you know, the purpose. Why are we doing this? Uh, well, we're doing this because we really want to bring awareness to the issues that this documentary is highlighting because we can see how how beautifully it overlaps with a lot of the themes that we discuss on rethinking humanity but also uh you know because it's going to be beneficial to all of us to understand what these issues are and and how social media and technology is affecting our lives and if we can understand it, then we can also, which is the other purpose, um, you know, talk about ways that we can adjust our lives to um, to really like accommodate really basically what our, uh, our podcast is about, uh, bringing about a better quality of life for ourselves, for humanity. And so, you know, at the end, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about ways 
you know, ways that we can adjust our lives and things that we can do differently to kind of help us um, adjust that. Anything else you'd add, Sonia, to that? Um, I would add, I mean, exactly what you're saying, Lacey, is having this conversation, right? Opening it up to basically everyone to discuss and think it's, there are ideas that maybe you and I haven't thought about and different solutions or um, ways that we could actually still utilize some of these tools. But we see in this film, as we're going to get into how deeply we are affected by it. Right. So the more people that we have in the conversation and the more knowledge, you know, to me, knowledge is power. Yeah. And potentially we can, we can impact what's happening to us. Yeah, absolutely. So we want to continue the conversation, bring awareness, further awareness as much as we can, and then find some ways that we can all uh, counter the negative effects of this together. So Sonia, uh, when did you watch the film? What were some of your first impressions um, wow. of this thing? I think um, just to full disclosure, guys uh, and gals, Lacey calls me late one night and says, oh my God, I've got to watch this film. And I'm thinking, oh no, I'll watch the film tomorrow. I start watching it. I can't stop watching it. So I did watch it uh, late at night. It was my first go round. And I think I looked at it the next day and I also reviewed a little bit today. So yeah, um, it's, you know, you miss it. Like when you're watching it, sometimes you have to go back and go, wow, okay. I got that part. I got that part, but it's uh it's, yeah. It gets you. I'll throw in my story on seeing it. I saw Yang tweet about it twice and I was okay. like, okay, I'm probably going to go watch that. I'm just, and people who know me well, I'm not a big movie person, you know, as you all probably know. And Sonia, you definitely know. <laughs> I love books. I, I like to try to take my time, my downtime to read. And so uh, I just think it's more productive. Now that doesn't mean I don't watch stuff sometimes, but I'm just saying I, I just don't tend to go towards movies. And so when I heard him tweet about it twice and then I like had heard some other things, I'm like, all right, I got to watch this. And I invited some friends that I play soccer with to watch it with me. And it was funny because, uh, you know, I, like I think they're like, yeah, this is stuff that we know. Like, And so I don't know that they took it as seriously maybe as I do. And there's like, I, no, I'm not throwing any shade or anything. It's just, you know, just different approaches. And so I watched it again and I was like, whoa, <laughs> there's so much. There's, there, just, yeah. there's so much there. There's so much. Um, Let me ask you a question before mm -hmm. we get into it, Lacey. What mm -hmm. social media do you Oh, wow. Wow. That's a great question. Okay. So I've been thinking about this a lot since watching this documentary. So Twitter, for sure. Um, mm -hmm. I started uh, using Twitter because of really, really because of the end campaign, but mostly uh, mm -hmm. before politics. And then I use Instagram and I have a Facebook, but I rarely am on Facebook. And then I use WhatsApp and then I also use YouTube. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What about I would you? Say, yeah, I, I haven't done the Twitter. I didn't do Facebook ever a little bit in a way a long time ago. So mostly Instagram, uh -huh. uh, Gmail, which he they talk about. Yeah. Here. yeah. Um, and what was the other spend that many uh, that much time to try to figure out what color email <laughs> thing to do? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Great. So just a couple a couple things. Um, definitely YouTube. Obviously, I've yeah. used YouTube, so that would be my. Extent. I don't. I don't think I realized until watching this documentary too, like how much YouTube 
like counts as well. Right, right, right. You know? Right. Absolutely. I agree with you. Um, yeah. So what, what stuck out to you? What are the things, I guess, the highlights for you when you saw this film? There's so much to comment on. Um, obviously, that's why we're, we're doing a long show on it. But I, I'll, this is what's kind of coming to mind right this second of, of all the things. Whoops. Of all the things um, is I woke up the other morning the day after I watched it. And I was just thinking about what um, Jaron, I can't remember what his last name is, said uh, yeah. on Wikipedia. Jaron, the one that the, the one that said to delete all six of your your all your social media. Oh, yes, and he also wrote a book about that. By the book. way, yes, yes. So Jaron Lanier says uh, in the film he talks about he says imagine Wikipedia. You have a Wikipedia page, and now when we go to Wikipedia, it's the same thing. If you go to that page and I go to that page, we're going to see the exact same thing. But he said, imagine if you go to the Wikipedia page and the information is different based on whoever's looking at it. Mm -hmm. And he said, that's basically what Facebook is. And that's basically how we're, you know, all living our lives and deciding on, on what the truth is, what facts are. And I woke up the other morning and it was just sitting at the top of my mind. And I'm just like, Oh my God, like, this is exactly how we're going about deciphering truth. Like mm -hmm. that's the perfect example. Like one place that's supposed to give you facts about what the truth is. And right. It, it's not, you know, it's not giving you that it's giving you what you, it thinks you want it. You want to see. You know what? Also along the same lines, I thought that was fascinating is the part where they talk about Google. Like if you put climate change is, and depending on where you're at or where you live, it could be, it's a hoax. It's, you know, ruining our planet. And I always assume something like Google, here's my naivete would be like objective. You would get like a truthful answer, you know? Yeah. And that's one of the things they discuss in the film mm -hmm. is that it's not the truth. And I think that is huge. That, that kind of impacted me where mm -hmm. these other uh, avenues of social media that people are using, I'm thinking, oh, yeah, Facebook, I know you can't like get caught up in all that. But I thought I was sort of above that. And now I'm seeing how much I'm influenced in that. And that, they make that point, whether you are a user or not, yeah. we're all affected by these mm -hmm. platforms and, and the power that the platforms have. Yeah. Talk about that a little bit more, uh, Sonia, about how whether you use it or not. And I would say venture to say, well, definitely out of the two of us, you're less of a user than I am for sure. So, well, yeah, talk I about would say uh, one of the things that you talked about was even news. So a lot of our information that we're getting, um, we're thinking mm -hmm. that we're getting impartial information or even if you're searching for something, if you're not into the whole social aspect where you're connecting with people, mm -hmm. I think they discuss how even in uh, political movements or in countries, I mean, you could go on to YouTube's a good example. They have, um, I think the gentleman who worked um, there at YouTube noticed that the algorithms, if you went to search, if you saw mm -hmm. a conspiracy theory, you would keep getting more, you know, you yeah. got, get a hundred conspiracy theories. Right. So, I have to tell you, and I think I'm pretty open-minded, that if I watched 100 YouTube videos of conspiracy theories, I would probably start thinking, huh, 
you know, there may be a conspiracy theory out there because my brain is going to be subjected to that information. Right. Right. And and that reminds me of, of Tim Kendall from the film who he was the the president of Pinterest. And yes. he said, I was falling. I was writing this shit and I fell prey to my own. I knew exactly what was going on behind the curtain. And I, he said I would come home and I couldn't like I had to just escape to the pantry to do emails and Pinterest stuff. And that just shows you how addicting it is. You right. Know? Right. It is. And that's that is another powerful point that they talk about the addiction part because they state that algorithms are not objective. They're optimized. Yeah. yeah. And they're looking for an outcome. And we know what the outcome it in is is profit. And right. you and I talked a lot about that on Rethinking Humanity with some of our other podcasts about how capitalism, that's what drives us. Right. And this is a perfect example. This film shows that. Yeah. Um, and the other point that I thought was really cool, it said, we accept the reality with which we are, the reality of the world which mm. we are presented. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh, you know, mm. I was like, yeah. It's mm -hmm. kind of just jarring that that is, we're all kind of, oh, we're all in the matrix. That's what I was gonna say. That's another point they make. So mm -hmm. how do you know, how do you get out of something that you're, you don't even know you're really in? Mm -hmm. I would argue there's people don't even realize that they're in this matrix and yeah, it's something that we need to, we need to address. Yeah. And I mean, I, I definitely look at my phone differently now, like mm -hmm. after watching that, I look at my phone and I go, do I really want to look at my phone or am I being driven to look at my phone? Because after all the evidence that this, this film is suggesting is that we are, we have been all of us, we have, we've been played, dude. Yeah. We have been played and we have become addicted to these machines, to these apps, to these sites. And they're showing us the things that they think we want to see to keep us coming back. Why? Right. Because they want to make money. Right? Yeah. Yeah. We're not even really what it boils down to is like we're being taken advantage of for profit. Yeah. That's yeah, what it boils down to. And again, I would bring up like, our, our podcast before, because when we're uncomfortable, lonely or afraid, oh my we God. go to a digital pacifier. Oh my God. Yes. That was so powerful. What Tristan Ayers said, <laughs> we go to this digital. And then this is a theme that I have been reading about in Reclaiming Conversation. In conversation yeah. This is Sherry Turkle. And she talks about how in her studies with young people and their use of technology, how they are, they're failing to develop empathy because mm -hmm. of that exact thing. It's hard for them to be in a space where they can endure boredom or difficulty. And so that hinders their, their, you know, ability to like have a conversation in which they can learn that someone else might be hurting and they might need empathy, you know? Um, right. And we're, it's, this, it's a type of escapism and, a way to just avoid dealing with difficult things. And hello, I don't know if anybody has noticed lately, but life is not all, you know, flowers and candies and roses, no, no. <laughs> especially in 2020. <laughs> Absolutely. You know what I, I remember too, Lacey, is when you and I met, we both read that book, uh, Tribe. Yes. And one of the things they talk about in this mm -hmm. film is that, of course, we care about our tribe and we've evolved to care about you know, that we need the affirmation from those around us, but we haven't evolved to 
actually get likes from 10,000 people. Yeah. And that's one of the things that they talk about. Yeah. Um, so it's a whole nother level. I think the other thing that hit me is how the growth of the technology is exponentially. It's just mm. way up here. So us as humans cannot keep up with this whole AI world that we're now living in. Yeah. And then the pushback argument on that one is, well, we've adjusted to technology at every phase in the game. So we'll adjust to technology in this phase. It's okay. We'll figure it out. And then the response is what you just said. We've never seen anything grow right. at this exponential rate ever. I mean, I think he said it was a trillion times or something, how much it's grown. And and it's like Tristan Harris says in the film, who's going to win? Our right. brains that are, are limited by our own human natures. Right. Or the supercomputer machine on the other side of the screen. That's yeah, they're going to win. Super optimized to come on. Right. And and there's a scene in there where I think they're talking to a room full of, you know, really mm. highly intelligent geniuses. And they're they're making the point that, as you made earlier, even the people who are designing these systems don't have more control. They are still uh, subject to the addiction and yep. to repeating, to going back to um, mm. that, that, you know, the, the app that they're using. They cannot stay away from that. And I think that really is powerful if you think about how we're limited as human beings. Mm -hmm. And and I, and there is some ties here um, to obviously you know we'll talk about this, but to our humanity, to some things that Fromm says, and human nature. I think mm -hmm. you know one thing that's a good point to make is like there is a set human nature that we all have as human beings. And there's only so much mentally and emotionally with technology, with other things as well, that our our nature can handle without really like psychosis or, you know, really like sickness basically is what it would boil down to. Absolutely. Um, do you remember on this film, uh, the former VP of growth uh, in Facebook called, I'm going to see if I can pronounce his name, Polly Haptiva. Okay. He talks about how we, and, I, and I've always thought about this with the, with the likes and how people are looking for that kind of mm -hmm. affirmation, that mm -hmm. it's a fake, brittle popularity that's short term and it leaves you vacant and empty before you did it. So it's a vicious cycle. Mm -hmm. What's the next thing I need to do? What's the next thing I need to do? And so it, it's mm -hmm. not truthful and it, it's not valuable, but we've caught, got caught in the cycle of thinking mm -hmm. that that's what we need and therefore go back to it again. Right. And do you know, I don't, I recall like there was pain in that guy's eyes as he was saying it, like he said, that's really, really bad. And then, exactly. and he said, if you put that on a global scale, mm -hmm. billions of people are doing that. Oh yeah. What oh, does yeah. that look like, uh, you know, over time? That's, oh yeah. Yeah. That's scary. 
you know? That's scary. And the other, the other thing that really impacted me, I think it was Tristan was talking about this. Um, no, no, no. It was the, the guy, I'm forgetting his name now, the one that wrote the book about deleting social media. You said Jaren his name. Lanier. Jaren Lanier. Yeah. He said what it is, it's a, a slight, gradual, slight, imperceptible change in your own behavior. And I was thinking how that's really powerful because we think, what's the big deal? We'll just open this app or we'll just look at this video. Mm-hmm. And it's this slight change in our behavior that we don't even see what's going on. Here's an interesting way to think about it. Can you look back on your life? Let's just say in the last six months or year and think of how your behavior has changed because of your phone. Fuck no, you can't. (laughs) You have no idea. What's what am I? I'm saying that because that's how gradual and slight it is. You know, it's, it's incredible. It's and, that, and I know I know you know this quote. We are the product. Yes, yes. That's another one that again ties into the capitalism. Right. Absolutely. We're the product. I, I thought this quote was really good. This is from kind of early in the documentary, mm-hmm. and it's Tristan Harris, and he he says, "Never before in history have fifty designers." 20 to 35 year old white guys in California mm-hmm. decisions that would have an impact on 2 billion people. 2 billion people will have thoughts that they didn't intend to have because a designer at Google said, this is how notifications work. Yeah. On the screen intense. that you wake up to every morning. That was intense. Yeah. Yeah. They're they're They've psychologically, psychologically figured out how to give us this dopamine hit that we keep coming back. Cause they do talk about the persuasion that mm. they all have to learn how to persuade. It's amazing. Like you said, that they would sit around and discuss what color Gmail needs to be. Yes. Right? For hours and hours and hours. Right. And just to keep narrowing the intelligence down mm-hmm. to be able to obviously manipulate our decisions, yeah. which is all for the profit at all cost. Yeah. You know, I think too, like, think about this part of that quote, 50 designers, Mm -hmm. 25 to 35, 20 to 35 year old white guys. So we're talking about 50 people influencing 2 billion people. Mm -hmm. And who are they? They're 20 to 35 year old white guys. So how limited is their vision? Right. Of what life is, what it consists of, what is important. I mean, a 20-year-old and a 50-year-old have probably two totally different things that they think are like the most important things in their life. Right. And then we talk about gender, ethnicity, everything that we're missing out. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So I think the the scariest thing for me about this whole thing is like seeing like behind the curtain, Mm -hmm. this is about manipulation. This is about control. This is about profit. And this is about them changing our behavior. That's so scary. It's so scary because it makes me think of the equivalent of the frog in the water. Mm -hmm. You know, they say you put a frog in the boiling water, but you could be in the water and then the water starts to boil. And so we don't even know what we're experiencing and how we're reacting to these platforms. Mm-hmm. And how how deeply it's affecting all of society, and enough that, like you said, that they had the courage to make this documentary. 
Yes, I love that. I think that there was something else I wrote down a quote, but where uh, Tristan Harris is talking about how it goes. It's a behavior change uh, process where it goes deep into your oh into right brain brain brain. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and you don't even know really that that's exactly. Talk about major manipulation and control. Exactly. I mean, we are all kind of like I said, how do you know, how do you wake up from the matrix if you don't even know you're in the matrix? There, like, you, go. <laughs> you, know? there you go. Yeah. I mean, it is, it's scary. Well, uh, we are in, at a perfect stopping point okay. yeah. to, uh, to bring in our first guest who is a close friend of mine, a dear friend of mine, and also was my partner in crime in screaming at the Democratic debates <laughs> for Andrew Yang. And so I would, at, with no further ado, let's bring in the lovely, the wonderful Tyreen Pamstein. Woo! <laughs> hello, hello. Hi. How you doing? Good, good. I've been enjoying your chat here in the green room. And uh, yeah, I know this is fascinating subject, um, you know, major documentary that I agree everyone really needs to see. But uh, so yeah, I'm enjoying your chat. Nice, nice. Well, uh, if the audience doesn't know, Tyreen is on the West Coast. Um, so she's out in California. Um, and so a little bit time difference for us. But um, but yeah, how how's life in Cali? I haven't seen you in person in a uh, minute. Girl. Um, well, we have the fires going, but they're kind of at least calm for right now. Um, you know, I, I got to be out yesterday and uh, take part with the um, basic income march. So that was the first thing I've kind of done, broke, you know, my quarantine. Um, mm -hmm. That was kind of nice. But I mean, it's it's a life is really shifted. It's really different. Um, I'm also homeschooling the wow. boys. Um, so that has been really interesting. So different than distance learning where I'm actually in charge of what they're learning. So that's been um, tremendously different, but they're good. They're good. Uh, they're pretty good. Kids are pretty, uh, you know, obedient. And I have some teacher advisor support, but it's life is very different. So, that, you know, I miss you. <laughs> no. Yes, I miss you too. We also were at the basic income march here in Atlanta. Yeah. Yay. So that was good. That was good to yeah. see. Good to see. There was a lot of participation everywhere, so it was good. Awesome. Yeah. So, uh, so you saw when did you see this film, um, Tyreen? I think I actually saw it. I happened to have some free time um, the night that Yang tweeted about it. I'm like, oh, hey, look, slot for something here, <laughs> and, uh, and I did make it all the way through that night. And of course, then I had a hard time sleeping because I, I just, you know. <laughs> everything you've seen and you know how we participated with social media and I am I am totally the addict of my family so I'm like I could see all the behaviors uh and to kind of you know like you said like you know open up the curtain and see what's behind there was pretty pretty jarring so mm -hmm. and I, I encourage others to watch it and of course it's like so what are you doing differently and I don't have the perfect answer you know for that so I am you know listening in to what some of the suggestions are you know, even to come out of here, um, notifications mm -hmm. have been off on my phone for over a year, but you'll still visit. It's still in your hand and, you know, you'll go, oh, let's see what's going on in that bird app. And then, you know, 30 minutes, an hour of your life will be sucked away and, you know, nonsense. So, um, 
Yeah, and I'm kind of like Lacey. I, I blame Andrew Yang for this whole Twitter thing. So Yang, hundred <laughs> percent your fault. I was happy, not on the bird. Um, so, but uh, you know, but, but it's the fastest way to get information. So I was there primarily for that. Um, you know, and then seeing this film about how uh, false information, fake information, you know, spread six times faster, and you can see that yeah. it's uh, you know. And, and stuff, stuff that's controversial, way yeah. more popular. So, you know, I see I, that I already knew. So I do my best to try not to give uh, that kind of stuff oxygen. But you still, you know, you'll still see it. And, and you, you know, you'll still take time to, you know, redirect and, and get back on path. But, you know, it was very eye opening uh, film. For do, sure. do your, are your children on social media? No, so it's actually one of the, I know. So that is one of the things that was loud and clear. Um, before this film, I'd read like Steve Jobs, Bill Gates, you know, they're the tech titans, but they really forbid the tech use in their home. And so yeah. that planted a seed in my head. Mm -hmm. And um, and so this obviously solidified it, you know, to have all of these, all of these uh, giants and developers behind all the biggest, you know, apps and social media that we use. To hear them, like you guys have already said, you know, tell you how it's working, how it gets you addicted, how, you know, again, it was uh, the Pinterest guy, right, who who's like, say, a thousand different times, I'm going to leave my phone yeah. for a thousand different days, and he couldn't do it. And I really did relate to him because, and then he said that he has two young children that mm -hmm. need his attention, but here he is coming back from his work day. And he still can't rip away from the phone, even though, I mean, he's, you know, he understands and I'm sure he loves his children, but he can't unglue. Right. And that was, uh, that's that, that one hit me, you know, pretty hard. And so mm -hmm. if the people who know, who've actually been working behind mm -hmm. the curtain and they've known this entire time, what it's about. And, you know, they've had a thousand days to try to quit, you know, different times. We have no mm -hmm. chance. We have yeah. no chance. So I think this is just the beginning of the mm -hmm. conversation. I think that, you know, as many people can get aware uh, right now to at least know, and then, you know, do what you can to to minimize and whatnot. But, you know, Sonia, to answer your question, like after I, I talked to my kids about, you know, the documentary my, and my husband too, they, they're fine. I'm, I'm the only <laughs> in the house. Like my husband doesn't do the social media. He's told me all along how ridiculous it is. <laughs> and my kids have no desire. Like they'll appear, but it's completely, you know, mom controlled. And so I told them about it. And, um, and I said, yeah, you know, I really think that you guys should just never get on social media, like even through high school. And they're like, yeah, that's fine. I'm fine with me. And what's funny is, you know, bedtime comes and I have my, you know, mini Yang, my little one mom, I think it's time for me to take your phone away. You told me about that film. Oh, like, really? You need to, yeah. So I'm getting policed um, in my home, which I invite. I actually totally invite. So it's, yeah. it's interesting. So I'm, I'm less worried about them than me <laughs> at the well, moment. Yeah. Spoiler alert uh, for people who haven't seen it, Tyreen, you're like the girl in the film who breaks the, um, uh, the box together. <laughs> I told them about that part and they're like, well, what happened to her? I'm like, she's probably getting grounded. But I think that <laughs> was fictional. Uh, I'm not fictional. I'm not that bad, but uh, it's it's there. You know, it's like it's it is slot machine. You know, and you. It's yeah. always and it's always there. So um, I was telling Lacey, like, I love the time when I train and like I go to the you know the dojong and 
you put your phone away, it's gone. It's not appropriate to go be checking it out. And you mm -hmm. have that full, whatever, hour and a half of respite, peace of mind. I mean, it's, it is, uh, it's nice. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I want to jump in here because I, I've thought about this too. Like the things that I look forward to the most uh, in my day-to-day -day life are things where I don't have my phone. For example, when I'm at the gym or when I'm working out, my phone is in my purse and I'm looking, I'm not looking at it. If right. I'm at the soccer field, I'm not looking at my phone. You know, um, if I'm working with kids um, as a nanny, I'm in the moment and I'm present with the kids. And it's just, I, I think it takes like, maybe an hour or 30 or 45 minutes for you to realize like how good it feels that, Oh, I'm not looking at my phone right now, you know? Yeah. And I think those are the, those are the things that I look forward to the most. And it's right. because I'm not like chained to this addiction to my phone, whether yeah. it's social media or not the phone that there's equal incentives for the actual phone itself to, right. you know, to be addictive. I really thought that, um, again, I'm going to throw Yang under the bus here, but I really <laughs> thought that when Andrew Yang, no matter what happened to this campaign and it, you know, ended, right. Um, I really thought, okay, get off this bird app, you know, it's good. But my behavior had been so ingrained that, I mean, I was on Twitter night and day. And so I'm still, I mean, I've decreased some use, but I'm still there way too much for, I'm not exactly sure what benefit for me. <laughs> you know, so um, the behavior has really been ingrained. And so it only, it took, you know, a year and it was now, my God, how do you delete this thing? Or why am I here? So I am, you know, it, there is some good information sharing. There is mm -hmm. good connection. Um, again, all of these tools can be used. Well, you know, you think you can minimize it and have it be a tool again without it wanting something from you. Right. But it's just that. You know, I actually wanted to say that I looked up, uh, you know, Shoshana Zuboff, the professor from Harvard that's right. on here. Right. So she has, and I, I watched it because it really, you know, really is intriguing to me. This, uh, she calls it surveillance, you know, capitalism. Mm -hmm. And it's so insidious and it's been going on for 20 years. So she has successfully, like, she doesn't use any Google products. She won't even look up a, a Google search. She'll, wow. she'll have to ping off, you know, all this VPN and everything's encrypted because that's how much, uh, well, she's, you know, as a matter of principle. So, you know, she, she is hopeful that it's, it's had a 20 year jump on us. Right. So, um, that tech, you know, and that's the other thing about the film is that it, it surprised me one to see what was behind the curtain, but two, that they were all clamoring for regulation, which yes, yes. is not what you normally would hear from people in, you know, corporate America, that they actually, at least these guys who yeah. I, I kind of view them as whistleblowers actually think mm -hmm. regulation is absolutely where this needs to go. That yeah. was really unusual for me. And, and it's, uh, it's in sync with um, at least, you know, professor Zuboff's uh, view mm -hmm. of surveillance capitalism. And there's, it's hope that we're going to, we're going to need intervention here because left to our own devices. I mean, you know, you have, like you said, how many 50 professionals on the other end of the box and you're our, our simple mind that, you know, they've figured us out. Mm -hmm. So we're going to need some uh, extraneous and, you know, help. Absolutely. Yeah. The regulation is important. I thought it was really interesting how they talk about in the beginning, they saw these as tools to help humanity. Mm -hmm. And then it kind of ran away with mm -hmm. it, um, especially when they talked about the likes. 
like we thought, oh, that would make people feel good to right. say, I like this. But now, you know, teenagers were needing to get more right. affirmation. And yeah. they didn't see where that was going. And absolutely, right. regulation is needed. That was a, another part. Um, I don't have a, a young, you know, daughter, but I have sons. But the part with the middle schooler who, mm -hmm. you know, posted a photo of herself oh, and, yeah. and didn't get enough likes and instantly or, you know, very soon after deleted and then used up all these filters and started getting the likes and to take that one comment about, you know, can you, your ears get any bigger or something, you know, like that for her to be just shattered and in the bathroom destroyed. And I just can't imagine, you know, what this is doing to, you know, cause I'm a grown up, but I, I and I'm so glad I did not have this when I was growing up. Yeah. Um, so I can't even imagine what that's doing to everyone's uh, self-esteem at this point. Um, and, and girls usually have it yeah. worse than boys. Um, you know, and so I, that was pretty heavy too. Yeah, the statistics that they showed with yeah, the mental health and I have some of those written down and this is the part where Jonathan Haidt came in. He's a psychologist and was talking mm -hmm. a little bit about this um, and about self-harm amongst teenagers. So I have some of the numbers, but before I give those, what I thought that was so interesting that he said was the babies, the people who were born in 1996, they are the first generation in history um, who got in social got on social media as middle schoolers, right? Mm -hmm. And that the girl in the dramatization, I would guess she's a preteen middle school. Like middle school, yeah. And look at look at how it's, it was affecting her in the right. dramatization. Right. Think about what having a whole generation of people who hate says is more anxious, more depressed, more fragile, less comfortable taking risks. Right. Less of them have ever gone out on a date uh -huh. or any kind of a romantic interaction. Right. What does that mean for our society in the next 10 years and the next 20 years? And what does that mean for them as a society when, when a whole generation of people have, have lived this way, have been raised in that way? I can't even imagine. I really can't. I mean, I think it's uh, it's uh, going to be a case study. For mm -hmm. sure. I think we're going to see that, the, the effects of it. And I can't imagine they're going to be very good. No. I mean, you know, they the non-fatal self-harm, so hospitalization admissions for young teens, this is females particularly. And I'd love to hear about whether either one of you two have any ideas about why particularly with girls, it's worse. But the increase from 2011 to now among 10 to 14 year olds, so that would be your middle school age, our preteens, mm -hmm. 189% it yes. went hospitalizations for self-harm. Suicide rates for that age group um, went up uh, 151%. So we're talking about a huge, and he said, you can make the direct correlation to social media if you look at the numbers. I think girls are vulnerable because uh, girls grow up with the visual, right? We're, we're judged by our looks. Um, that's what you see in the media. That's what you see constantly portrayed. So now you have these this way to filter out anything you don't like about yourself to create a different image. Mm -hmm. And it's a powerful tool that most people are going to, most of these young girls are going to fall prey to. 
Mm -hmm. I agree. I agree. I mean, the, the beauty standard mm -hmm. and all of this stuff, the filters, it's like apply the makeup for you, you know, contour this and all of that stuff. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's girls, you know, and mm -hmm. kind of relieved. I don't, I'm not raising any. I have it relatively easy in that regard, you know, other, mm -hmm. other male issues for another podcast another day, but you know, certainly, mm -hmm. um, as far as this goes, I'm, I'm blessed to escape kind of that part of it. It, it seems like it's uh, revealing even more of the inequality towards women, uh, you know, in the sense that the expectations for how you look, being perfect, being beautiful all the time, having your hair done well all the time, wearing makeup. I, I mean, that there's certainly an inequality there. You know, I mean, if you think about what the expectations are, I've said this to guys, friends of mine before, like it takes them what, 20 minutes to jump in the shower and put their clothes on. But if we're living up to like society standards, we better spend an hour on our hair and makeup before we go anywhere. You and, know what I'm saying? Yeah. Wouldn't you say no matter what era, um, there was always a big thing about the popular people, the popular girls, the pop so here you have social media where you can really be popular. And yeah. so you're going to drive that contest to get those numbers up. Mm -hmm. And just like uh, what Tyreen said earlier on that um, documentary, it was really sad to see how this girl was affected right. by a comment. Right. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, the other thing about that is, like, how many nice comments, right, that you can just right, oh, great, great, but it takes just the one. It takes mm -hmm. the one comment that I think it's human nature you let you let that one impact you so much more, and she's you know in the bathroom just you know, in tears, right? So mm -hmm. that's so terrible. That's just you know. Of course, mm -hmm. I don't understand why people need to be that one person, but you know, mm -hmm. and then the, the human nature of what that's all about. I mean, I can't imagine to be what it'd be like to be growing up in in this day, really, truly. Mm -hmm. So. Right. And then Tim Kendall makes a very powerful statement shortly after that segment. He says, these services are killing people mm -hmm. and causing people to kill themselves. kill themselves. And that's where that, you know, illustration that we just discussed about the preteen with the ears yeah. starts and ends where we see where what the data says about, you know, non-fatal non self-harm and fatal self-harm. Yeah. And so the question, you know, I have for both of you is, you know, and I'll answer after you, but like has has this information how has it how have you like responded to it as far as like uh you know have you had any kind of like um severe response of like i just want to throw this thing away like out the window and society would be better off without any of it like have you has that hit you at all or has it been like a lot more moderate how how is that rolled for both of you guys. Son, you want to go? Or you oh, yeah, I'll go. Um, I was going to say no. I didn't want to do that. Okay. Um, but I think my ego, like I definitely realize, even though I'm not on some of these platforms, that I think, oh, I'm not one of those. I can control my behavior. You know, there is that me thinking that I know more than still, even though I have this knowledge. Um, at the same time, which I know maybe we'll get into, the discussion would be, and I think Tyreen's addressed it. I mean, the phone is now kind of ubiquitous with our lifestyle. We mm -hmm. use it for so many things. Yeah. So it's really hard to pull away completely from that. 
because you know it's how we communicate it's the weather it's just your daily thing so it's really? like how do i adapt to maybe not use certain apps but still use the phone so because getting rid of it completely i don't see that as an option for me at least right um yeah i agree there's the anger side of me that's wanted to chuck it all but reality is you know my business is on there my emails there you know i, I still the quickest way to get news um you know all of that um text message you know communicate with the people you really actually want to communicate with i just can't see doing well, i guess you could take off all the apps but mm -hmm. i don't i don't see as that i mean i definitely feel you know, slightly more empowered right now. Like, you know, so there's some helpful suggestions at the end of the film, right? Like, again, the notifications mm -hmm. off. Um, don't actually click on what's suggested for you. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, keep friends who have different opinions. In fact, check, right? So some some things that I know that a lot of people aren't doing anymore. And and it's, and it's you can see it with a divide of, you know, the, in, in the politics, right? Mm -hmm. And you see it all the time. You see the, how can you possibly look at it this way? Because there's mm -hmm. two different worlds out there, right? It depends which bubble, you're mm -hmm. living, which bubble you're living in. And each side recites um, what they view as the world is absolute fact, clear mm -hmm. as day. You know, how in the world can you not see it like this? And mm -hmm. I guess they are getting um, affirmed in their own bubble with you know everyone else who's mirroring that 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 is in fact true and that was actually a great quote that i remember in the film I, i'm gonna butcher it but basically if you can't get common facts if there is not one shared of facts there are no problems that we're going to be able to solve together oh yeah i love that i'm glad you wrote that, that so powerful i think i did tweet that one out because it was like oh this explains all of politics i think they said something to the effect of if you can't um agree on one truth Yes. The truth, yeah. The right. same, yeah, which is really powerful. And, yeah. You know, of course, we're in the midst of, you know, <laughs> well, we have now alternative facts and all of that. So we are in complete, you know, decay and, and of our society at this point. So it is, it is alarming. It's very alarming. But at least watching this, you understand, you know, how that uh, kind of, you know, some of that came about. Because you really do. I mean, each side is completely clear of what the facts are. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, that was, uh, if I understand correctly who you're referring to, that was Rashida Richardson. She's an NYU adjunct pro professor uh, of law. And um, she says, we are all simply operating on a different set of facts. Yeah. And after a while, you can't or won't accept things that are contrary to your worldview. Right. And so that becomes a problem because if we can't, like you said, agree on what the facts are, we can't solve any problems no, at all. For sure. And I mean, yeah. we're kind of seeing some of that, right? Absolute gridlock. Uh, no one's helping us, right? So you yeah, see and that, to, that dysfunction and, you know, full glory. And to think that a lot of that has to do with media companies, technology companies, who just all they really want is to make money. So they're, they're making a profit regardless of the human costs, right. their 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 uh uh priority is to make a problem they don't care if they if they're dividing us uh, yeah or, or say it this way the system the algorithm whatever right doesn't care right so um there that is a distinction right because i actually don't think that they were evil or intended evil right they created an algorithm to generate what views, people to stay on the site, et cetera. The byproduct was, you know, they, they learned what's gonna get people to stay on the site. And it, it, it had, you know, 
different worldviews and and, uh, and fostering you know different truths and whatnot. So I think the algorithm did what it was supposed to do, which was get people to click, to stay, to engage, etc. But here's the result. So I don't really, I don't have, you know, I don't, um, you know, put evil intent behind sure. it. It's just gone, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's gone, it's gone amok. It, the result is is bad. And again, I mean, really hit home that the people behind the curtain want regulation. That is really, really big. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, this reminds me, I have to throw some from in here of something that Eric Fromm wrote. And I'm not sure if it's in to have or to be, but he said something about how when when technology was beginning, uh, we were driven to use it, to implement it, to make it happen just because it was possible. Mm. And instead, he said, if we're if we do that, if we decide to go that direction, which obviously we did, then humanity and human values aren't at the center mm-hmm. of our society anymore. It's that is the thing that rules all. And so that is exactly kind of where we've gotten to is a, is a place where like we haven't just because something is possible, right. Done right. It. Not, right. not, not counting like, Oh, what is that going to mean for a B C D E F G? How will that affect this? Mm-hmm. How will that react with that? And so that part, is something I hope we can learn from and not do again in the future in other areas of our lives and other areas of society. Of course. Um, sure. I don't know if you guys, I'm not a big science fiction person, but part of this movie reminded me of science fiction when they showed uh, the adolescent boy, right? They're pulling the levers mm-hmm. behind the scenes. That was really bizarre to me, like the avatar and how they could influence, you know, right. what he's going to look at, when he's going to look at it. That, that was pretty powerful. That was powerful imagery, especially when he says, do you think this is good for him? And the other two avatars yeah. are like, no. who cares? Yeah, that's, like, I, that's irrelevant, that's right? right? That's not part of the right. Yeah. But, yeah, uh, and I think probably part of why we all loved Yang so much, because he was like, hey, let's, let's readjust some of the uh, yeah. incentives here. Yes. Um, and I actually will pump my favorite uh, Twitter guy um, because he's actually taking an active role in a proposition that's on the on the you know um, November third election here, Prop Twenty Four in California. Mm-hmm. He's actually the uh, chairperson on the advisory board, and it's for uh, uh, California Privacy Act. So wow. it, it's uh, at least for California. It's going to allow us to say no, you can't share my data elsewhere. It uh, actually lays out and gives an enforcement arm, um, so an actual group that can go after the the wrongdoing. It has really strong protections for for kids under sixteen, like triple penalties, like seventy five hundred dollars a pop. So he's wow. actually, you know, because it's it's completely aligned with you know data dividend project, and that he mm-hmm. wants you know, Californians should own their own data. So we can at least stop you know once you're on like um, Facebook from sh- uh, from sharing your data elsewhere. So it's called the um, they you want you want they want to stop cross context behavioral advertising. So yes, uh-huh. when you're on their site, they can see what you're doing. They can use it for whatever their purpose, but then can't be tracking you all over the places, which is what they're doing now, right? So like you know that if you Google something you want to buy, I don't know mm-hmm. what it is, a sweater. The next thing you're on Facebook or Twitter, and there's an ad for hey said sweater, right? Yeah. So. That is putting an end uh, to that. And then the other really powerful part of this uh, Prop 24 um, that's kind of unique 
is that if it can get past, and it's got like over 80% support right now, so you know it's it's looking good, right? But we're not there yet. Um, is that if it gets passed, it's kind of got a one-way ratchet where any amendment to it could only be to continue to increase our privacy mm. rights, which is pretty That's unique. Crazy. Wow. You know, so um, anyway, so. What's, what's the website really quick? We're going to see if Victor can post this uh, up on the screen. Yeah. Do you uh, know the I don't know it right offhand. Hold on. Let me see if I can find it. That's okay. Sorry to interrupt. But if you look up Prop 24, um, uh, you know, anywhere, I mean, California Prop 24. Right. But I could put that yeah, in there. California so, Privacy Rights and Enforcement Act. So it's mm -hmm. actually a big deal. It, uh, there is a pre-existing 2018 uh privacy law that's out there, but this is what's going to give it the teeth, the enforcement kind of close up some loopholes. So um, it's it's a big deal. It'll be the first in the, it, 2018's version was already the first in the nation, but mm -hmm. the hope is, you know, once you get a great model and uh, in California, it can go, you know, nationwide. So that's uh, something to look out for. There you go. There it is. There it is. Yeah. Especially well, out, Victor. Thank yeah. you. Thank you, Victor. So, yeah. uh, and yep, there he is. There's Yang. Hey, Mark, hi, hello. <laughs> my addiction, sir. Uh, <laughs> it's all your fault, Andrew. <laughs> uh, you know this is actually a really good thing. I mean, this is actually something part of the what can you do? How do you mm -hmm. what we just learned? Well, here's here's one measure, right? So you can at least have it stop going across platforms. You know, for California, we start here and hopefully mm -hmm. those uh the you know, rest of the states, yeah. Yeah, so. and build, build a model for every other state to kind of follow. Right. Yeah, thank you, Californians, for consumer yeah. privacy. Yeah. Thank you. in California, please. <laughs> well, yes, I'm 24. And thank you to Yang for doing that. Um, yeah, cool. Yeah. yeah. Well, and uh, we are so glad that you came to hang out with us, Sarah. Oh yeah. Enjoyable, enjoyable. Thank you for having me. I know I'm not going to get to say say hi to, uh, it's Kateri, right? Kateri, yes. Kateri, sorry, yeah. sorry, Kateri, <laughs> but say hi. You guys enjoy. I will go off to uh, dinner and uh, I'll catch the rest of your show though. But um, thank you for having me. Thank right. you for coming on. <laughs> yes, we appreciate you. You're awesome. Keep up the great stuff. And uh, you guys maybe, too. Yeah, maybe I'll see you at some point in the next I know. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. Awesome. All right. Uh, that was good. That yeah, was good. that was good to get another perspective. Yeah. Yeah. I I like to hear, uh, obviously, from other people. Um, I like to hear from her too because of I've known her pretty well since the debate, and mm -hmm. uh, it's nice to get like uh, a more like concrete she thinks like a lawyer kind of thing. And so right. through that perspective, um, it's, it's kind of cool. It's kind of cool. It's cool. Yeah. Yeah. And I wasn't expecting, you know, it's funny. We make a plan for these things, sure. but then we hold that plan. Like, you know, right. Exactly. To see what we end up talking about um, is, is pretty interesting. So, so Sonia, um, what else about oh, the film? I'll tell kind you what else. I was just thinking um, when Tyreen was talking. Yeah, I think the other thing that was pretty impactful is they talked about where's the existential threat, and they mm. talked about some of the things that we potentially are looking at, like civil war, <laughs> uh, climate change, all these big 
items that are, you know, foreboding in our minds here. That brings me back to kind of what I wanted to say. And I just knew, you know, we had to kind of shift gears with Tyrene. I would have said it with her here, but, you know, I ask you the question, you guys, the question, did it like make you want to just like throw the thing out the window? And I'll say like that for me, I, I, as I was been watching this thing, I'm just like, I wish we could just press a button and erase it all. Like, like, could, could somebody just press a button and just erase Facebook, erase Twitter? Like, I, I know that, that seems like very, very extreme. Right. But when you talk about, you know, the existential element to this, mm-hmm. and where mm-hmm. we're headed and how divided we already are. Yeah, that's scary. It, it, it's so scary. And I'm just like, okay, there's one sure way to just stop this where it is right now. Right. And hit delete, you know? Yeah. So I wonder what you, I wonder what your thoughts are on that. And I'd love to hear, we'd love to hear from you right now. Uh, Anybody who's watching and listening, Sure. we're going to read your, your comments. So, um, you know, share please. And then we're going to have Kateri on shortly. So uh, please, uh, you know, we want to read your comments, what have you, but what do you think about that, Sonia? Like Um, the, the thought of just like somebody, whoever's at the helm of the control of all this shit, just, just press delete. I mean, yeah, sure. That would be optimal uh, if we could do that. It's funny because I try to remember a time when we weren't living in this and it's hard to go back, you know, maybe to my childhood or even, yeah, college, I guess, even where this wasn't so um, prevalent that we lived like this and we're just, we're used to this lifestyle. Um, But yeah, it would be great to be able to do that. I was going to say there was a comment earlier uh, when we were talking. Someone said that they saw this for a while coming, and they the individual who wrote said they were worried. Wow. Because I think there are some people out there that say, "Wow, this is there's something going on here." Mm-hmm. But you're going along. The masses are involved in these platforms, and and we've utilized them as tools, like the documentary says. So right. how do we, you know? bring back the clock as you're saying to race it. And I think um, it's going to be leadership, a regulation. Yeah. Um, looking at how, how we can use these tools, not in such a damaging way for society. Well, and I think, you know, sometimes when we realize how much risk or how damaging something is, it's easy to do that all or nothing thinking and just be like, Oh, mm-hmm. we need to delete it or, Oh, right. we need to throw it out the window. And the thing is, is that I, you know, it's, it's not a realistic solution. Right. 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 And, uh, and so I think, you know, I think the, what you're saying and where we're at, we're in a place where letting it go is just, it's just, it's not realistic. It's, it's not an option, but learning how to live with it, learning how to live healthily. And also like you're saying, the regulation, setting Mm -hmm. these boundaries, learning how to, like, you know, disengage in certain ways, turn off mm-hmm. certain notifications, those types of things, I think, um, are going to sure. be the best solution. Um, make, make different choices. Um, mm-hmm. Do you remember in the film, this was a really good part where Tristan, he worked at Google, and he was sort of worried about this issue. And he'd go mm-hmm. home at night, he said, and he would work on this program to a presentation to explain I'm worried. What are we doing here? And he sends it out to the company 
Yeah. And everybody responds, yes, I'm worried too. I want to do something. And it goes to the top and they don't even talk about it. Mm -hmm. Isn't that crazy? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That, it, that tells you a lot. Yes. And, and I mean, it may be the same reason as what we're talking about right now. How, how do you even tackle mm -hmm. a problem this big from the inside? And then, then you have the other motives, which are the profit motives that are incredibly strong. Incredibly right? strong because that's what drives, you know, it's like a religion profit at all costs. Right. Right. And then you've got your, you know, the folks who have invested in the company and the shareholders, shareholders. Exactly. And it's like, it's not that easy actually to just hit delete on the program. You know, the, right. another, another thing that really was alarming to me, I'm trying to remember the guy's name who said this, but I don't have, I think it, I think it was Sandy Paraclis. I oh, think yes. uh -huh. I remember her operations manager, but Oh, he said, there are only a few people who understand how the systems work, talking about the algorithms. Right. And even they don't necessarily understand what is going to happen with a particular piece of content. And so as humans, we've almost lost control over the systems because they're controlling the info that we see. They're controlling mm -hmm. us more than we're controlling them. I mean, mm -hmm. if there was ever a, a point on the side of delete it, press delete. Now, there's one. You right. know? It almost makes you feel like you're in this, you know, world where the, the machines take over the humans, right? That they get so powerful. The, the, it's, 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 to me, it's amazing that this is the reality because it seems very, it's insidious. It seems like, oh, what's the big deal? But it is a big deal. This is definitely pulling back the curtain and mm -hmm. showing us how, little we have control over these behaviors and how much AI really is controlling a lot. Exactly. Exactly. Already controlling a lot. And, and of course, I mean, I think they make mention of this in the film, but you know, most of us would think like, Oh, if robots take over, they're yeah. going to look like these red eyed, you know, metal <laughs> yeah, that shows yeah. up, right. right. No, yeah. that's, it's not that obvious people. It's that's, that's not the way it works. Yeah, and, and right at that part, I think I'm going to tell you a quote that I wrote down. It says, it's about the ability of technology to bring out the worst in society. It's not about the ability, excuse me, of technology to bring out the worst in society. And the, the worst in society is the, is the existential threat. It's mm -hmm. about the fact that. Oh, my God. Not so much technology. What they're saying is that it brings out the worst in society, and that's the existential threat. Right. Well, and then like it, it facilitates the spread of the worst of society in such a way that it could be like Pizzagate. Yes, that was that was another thing that was crazy. They showed yeah. that amazing, and the misinformation and the non-information spreading faster than the real information. That's oh, scary. yeah, like six times more. And I think Tyreen mm. made a good point um, with the facts. Uh, it's really interesting if you're in that bubble where you have a certain set of facts and you really believe those facts, I get that. And then you're in the other bubble. How do you even come to an agreement? Because you're living in two different realities. That's the most ominous thing to me. And I think, you know, it may be a good time if we bring Katerian, because this was kind of like the biggest thing that, that popped out to her. But the most ominous thing to me about that is like, 
how do we fix it? How do we fix this? If, if it's not the delete button, and I'm not mm-hmm. saying I'm advocating for the delete button, but mm-hmm. I'm saying if it's not that, what, what, what is it? because if we're headed towards civil war and, mm-hmm. you know, if we're in a place where everybody's just living in their own bubble, what, right. what, how are we going to write this ship? That's a good question. I, yeah. I hear you. It's scary. Well, on that note, um, maybe Kateri has yep. has all the answers. <laughs> I know, it's right I hope so. <laughs> there she is. We're gonna save the world, aren't you, Kateri? <laughs> uh, yeah. Hi guys. Hello. Hey. Welcome. So great to be here with you, Lacey and Sonia, and awesome conversation so far. I'm like, I hope I have things to add. Um, and yeah, that, that's kind of a, for those of you who don't know, I, um, I'm i not like super active on Twitter, but I co-run the book club with Megan. Uh, shout out to Megan. And um, yeah, one of our kind of uh, theories with that is like, can a book club help save the world? You know? Yes, it <laughs> so, can. Uh, yes, it can. <laughs> yes. It's on our minds for sure. So yeah, happy to be here. Yeah. So what what was it particularly on this theme that really struck you from the film? Mm-hmm. Yeah, actually, before um, I had heard from you, Lacey was having a conversation about this film with a coworker, and mm-hmm. like l- literally the like little detail. And I think you have brought it up already, but the little detail that like stood out to me was the the Google search. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I can go into. Uh, I live in California. I can go into Google and I'm probably going to get um, climate change is real or something like that, you know, yeah. but apparently other parts of the country, that's not the case. And it uh, could be climate change is a hoax or something like that. And I have people close to me who are not so convinced about climate change and, mm. you know, it, I'm no expert on it. I'm certainly trying to learn more. Um, but it's, it can be, it's so interesting to try to engage in actual conversation when you're like, you feel like you're like, you know, like if like the world cracks and you're like on each side of the crack and you're just like, there's something, there, there's something wrong here. <laughs> like, how do we do this? You know, like that's, that's that like really unsettling feeling I get when I try to like engage in some of these conversations. Um, So yeah, the idea of truth, like um, one of the quotes is like, uh, if we don't have one idea of truth, um, Mm -hmm. or not one idea of truth, but like one truth, actual real truth, how are we going to be a country that functions? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I think about like some members of my family that I love and, you know, are dear to me and we're just, we don't think the same you know, on certain things. And it's just like, it's almost to the point where I just like, we just don't need to go there because it's going to end up contentious if certain people can't in certain ways and myself included can't go through the conversation without being able to disagree, which in general, I don't think we're very good at that in this country anyway. Um, and, And I think, you know, let's take that to a more personal level we're seeing the world split, right? Because we can't agree on what the facts are. Well, how does that affect us on a personal level? Our, our families, our families yeah. are ripped apart. And, you know, you've got this family member believes in 
you know, theory A and this one B, and they can't even have a conversation with each other. I mean, I don't know. I've seen it on um, like dating sites that I'm on. I'm like, they're like, if you like Trump, don't swipe <laughs> right. You know what I'm saying? It's right. so. I, we have. Ne- I'm sure we could. I'm surely we've never been this divided. Surely. Um, you mm-hmm. know what's kind of sad hearing Lacey you talk about this is this is one of the reasons that I'm, maybe you guys do this on your book club. What I love about reading books and I love talking to Lacey is we get into deep conversations or philosophical. And when you have this issue like with family, what do you talk about? Like the weather, uh, what where did you buy at the mall? It gets, you know, you want to have, <laughs> at least I want to have a deeper conversation. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it's challenging if you're on these yeah. completely different spectrums. True. Yeah, and I guess just to kind of bring that full circle, like there's that wonderful saying of like, uh, no one reads the same book twice or, you know, like you don't read the same book twice and no one reads the same book, mm. but the that's okay because it's, it is the same book, you know, right. whereas like you were talking about the Wikipedia site being, yeah. being different, you know, that right. can be a really beautiful thing when you have this like shared idea, but then you have so many different perspectives that enrich those ideas right it when it when it's not one idea and then it just devolves into like chaos essentially Mm -hmm. um and then also to like what you were saying Lacey you know I think a big part of that what's so painful about those divisions is that we really like it really skews us towards not seeing people's humanity Mm -hmm. you know like very good why there's so much like malicious mm. feelings towards people who support Trump. And essentially like what I'm saying is like, I have some people that are close to me that do that. I love deeply, you know, you see that you just see it in, you know, the, the subtweet or whatever. Right. Or just the way people say something, you know, like over okay. dinner is like, there's like this sense of like, you're not fully human or, you know, mm-hmm. there's like, there's something mm. wrong with your humanity. And that's, mm dark like yeah that's not the direction we want to go it puts us in those blue blue and red boxes right mm-hmm. is, yeah like yeah. that graph they showed mm-hmm. and i mean this. i think that there's yeah i think obviously we've all supported andrew yang in his president his presidential run and i think we can look to the the makeup of the people who supported him to see this truth that we actually are all more similar than we are alike. We we actually do all want the same thing, uh, mm-hmm. generally speaking. You know, it's it's easy to to nitpick over little things, but we're all more alike than we are different. And the sad part is, is that the technology is now in a position of power, and and it's elevated to a point where like it's we it's easy to forget that it's actually like cleaner and clearer for everyone to be like, you're in this camp and I'm in that camp. It's us versus you. Mm-hmm. And you're the bad guy and I'm the bad guy. And you're right, Kateri. It, it takes away from the simple fact that we're all humans. It doesn't matter what color we are. It doesn't matter what country we live in. It doesn't matter how old we are. It doesn't matter what gender we are, what sexual orientation we are. We're just human beings. We And we have the same nature. So that means we have the same needs and the same wants as the guy in Africa or in Spain or wherever. Yeah. Leave it to Kateri to think of a poop joke. (laughs) (laughs) We'll poop. (laughs) Yeah. Essentially, 
When you know. did you watch the film and did you watch it with friends or how did you find out about it? Yeah, well, it was uh, Andrew Yang and I like tweeted about it on the book club and was like, you know, got homework, Yang gang. <laughs> okay. um, and I watched it with my boyfriend and we usually watch something like with dinner. And um, he is a teacher at a like, well, he teaches seventh through 12th, but it, um, he's like gonna try, they actually do a like digital, I don't know if it's like digital education, but I think it's more along the sides of, of what the social dilemma is. And mm. so he's gonna recommend that they watch it for wow. his, That's uh, awesome. his students that for school. Yeah. So yeah, we both were very consumed by it. And I've now watched it twice because I was like, you know, and it, and it's true. Like I, I often read things twice. Um, you know, you just you get so much more out of something when you mm -hmm. you um <laughs> I, I teach <laughs> dance mm -hmm. and I like to say you gotta give it time to marinate. Oh, yeah, <laughs> you know, so it's like yeah. You let the idea sort of get in your brain and marinate. And then like when you watch it again, you also like notice things that you didn't catch the first time. And yes, um, I think you have a deeper understanding of, of all sure. of the ideas. So yeah, I recommend so, watching it twice. Your yeah. boyfriend teaches middle school then too, right? You're saying seventh to 12th or what was the age? Yeah. Yeah. Um, actually he was teaching five through 12 small school. So this year he's teaching seven through 12. And what's the um, policy he, there with phones, with cell mm -hmm. phones? It's a it's a private school, so they're really like um, they're really casual. It's really not like I think um, there's like a joke saying like if you have a bag of Doritos and a laptop, it's more likely that the bag of Doritos is going to get stolen. So um, they're they're kind of everywhere, yeah. And uh, uh, he teaches music, so he doesn't have to struggle as much oh, right, as I think right. sure. other. But he does a little bit. He definitely does. They'll be like, oh yeah, I'm looking I'm looking up song lyrics, and he's like, mm -hmm. you know those song lyrics, you know. Like, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That'd be interesting. Has he ever mentioned anything about like, you know, uh, seeing the signs of addiction to phones at school? I don't know. Maybe he can't, you can't talk about that because like that's private, but I wonder if, you know, if teachers see that too, you know? Yeah, I, I definitely think so. It's something that you're definitely seeing where um, the older generations are starting to feel quite overwhelmed I think and it's like affecting them kind of mentally where they're like feeling this sense of responsibility mm. um and in trying to like cultivate these spaces of actual growth and learning and mm -hmm. it's like all they care about is these screens mm. um so yeah I think and that kind of I think just gets back to the whole idea of like what is that balance what do you where do you draw the line what's the barrier uh, barriers or boundaries that you draw and yeah. yeah luckily I don't I teach dance so I really don't have to worry about that um yeah, but yeah. yeah it's it's hard it's tricky mm -hmm. and you know I was thinking about the parent in the film how it'd be hard it would be hard like she says well all the her friends have phones like everybody in the school so then if you're the one child that doesn't right so do you feel left out so it's balancing yeah. that you know the I know I'm not even a parent and I felt like empathy with her a little right. bit. I mean, I did have, I have a young, I have a sibling who's a girl who's eight years younger than me. Oh, okay. Um, so she was that generation. Essentially. So I watched her go through that um, mm. and definitely struggle to a certain extent, you know, um, like being on Snapchat. And so to me like that, it, it is, I like just made the cutoff 
Oh, wow. I didn't get on social. I think I have Facebook in high school, but it was not the same. And then, I mean, in junior high, I didn't have a smartphone and I definitely didn't have a smartphone till maybe, maybe after high school. So I like just made the cutoff, but then I'm seeing my younger sister go through, Mm. yeah, go through school and it's, it's yeah, totally different. And it, and it's like, even just panicking of like having, needing to have this phone and like the extents to which, like I laughed, but it was like a, also like a dark laugh. Like I felt this like gut feeling that was terrible when she smashes the box oh, right. to get yeah. in. Cause I was like, I could kind of see my sister doing that. <laughs> like not to throw her under the bus yeah. or anything, but I think like- it's common. I think that a lot of people would do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was gonna say that I, one of the things I wrote down is about my own personal experience is like, I feel driven to the phone. Like I feel like, you know, it's, it's, this un, it's really feels kind of like this uncontrollable drive, which kind of goes back to the way they built it. Right. Um, but I do feel that I feel that drive to go to the phone and it really is playing on our vulnerability. You know, the, the, what you were saying about, or I think Tyrene said about how they're, they're like, do you think it's good for him? And they're like, no, no, like mm-hmm. whatever, we don't care. And, and that's, that's the thing that's, that's scary too, is like, we're, we're playing on your own vulnerabilities, period. Yeah. I wanted to ask both of you. It's a question I had now that Lacey brought it up and um, I'm thinking about it. If you don't have a phone, here's what I think is how do you connect with people? Because that's kind of our connection right now, right? Mm-hmm. They take away your social stuff. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, somebody texts you, your friend, you know, let's go do something, or you want to connect. It, it, this is just like the world we're living in. Yeah. Well, so what would you do without that phone? Mm. It's a yeah, good I mean, like I still have memories of the dial-up phone. I do too, yeah. Having, having my, I have, I still have my, like parents landline memorized which doesn't exist anymore but i still have it memorized and i still have my best friend's landline memorized so like i, I t- it was someone time recently that i like tested myself and i was like yep so like you know there was this this has been this progression and there's this like i think there's this sense for every pretty much everybody even for my parents like my dad is super on facebook and he was talking to me last time i was visiting about how like I think I had pointed something out to him and it made him realize, yeah, you know, I really, I, every time I post something, I go in and I check to see who's liked it. And like, this is, this is a 63 year old man, <laughs> you know, like we're talking about like the, being concerned about girls. And I'm like hearing my dad say this, like, <laughs> I'm not on Facebook anymore, like largely for that reason. So um, I think it's hazy for everyone to like, really think about like, where, where did we cross that? boundary. Oh, yeah. Thank you, boys. Thank you, boys. <laughs> he says, I love this combo. I like this combo, too. <laughs> yeah, I think Lacey and I have talked about this. You'd have to almost live like in a commune or in a community where you get to see people and stuff every day. Otherwise, how are you going to be connected? Yeah. yeah. Well, know? that kind of, I, I, I get, we probably won't have an answer to that. I think that kind of brings me to one of the ideas I had as far as like things we could do it's so how how are we gonna do it we're gonna have to hold some people accountable but you know I think it's just like what what can't these things actually be awesome like can't 
can't something like Facebook, like actually, obviously there's a lot that needs to happen before we get there. Um, for instance, like I, like I think the kind of consensus with the documentary was like, it's really, it's the business model, mm -hmm. you know, like all of these things are being done for profit. So it's like, I might be, you know, shooting in the dark, like this might be completely too, um, too positive thinking or whatever, but you know, like we already know that these things can have good benefits. Mm -hmm. um, so it's like, it's like, I mean, you guys are rethinking humanity. Like, you know, oh, like, yeah. can, can like, can people like us like come up with an ideas for how like these things can like actually work for us? Yeah. Like the organ donor, yeah. like the connection for positive yeah. you know, movement in society. I mean, it makes me think of and if you've read uh you know andrew yang's book that mm -hmm. was the first time i'd been introduced to the idea of time banking right which you would need or it's the way it's been done as far as i know is used like app technology essentially to make it work mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. you know i think that there's um uh i'm gonna plug the book club a little bit we read this book in august um if you're interested in climate change okay. called the future earth and one of the um the future earth by eric holthouse um and one of the things that he like kind of philosophical ideas that he used to base a lot of his argument on was this idea of an imaginary i don't know if that's something you've been introduced to in your philosophy adventures but um it was new to me and so it, it's basically just the idea of like we don't know what we don't know mm -hmm. you know like and, and also like the idea of like the truman show and what was the other one um that you mentioned, I don't know, but the idea it was mentioned in the documentary, but the, the idea of the Truman Show is like, we just know what- What our reality Yeah, like what we yeah. have. And so, you know, so his argument was like, for climate change is like, we need a new imaginary. We need uh -huh. this idea of a world that doesn't quite exist yet. And we need to, f we have to figure it out is like the caveat, mm -hmm. you know? And yeah. so hmm. I think that, I think, you know, it's fair to say maybe these apps could be a part of that, but Mm. Obviously, there's just an immense amount of work that's going to need to happen um, yeah. before. So, yeah, I'm voting yes on Prop 24 in California. <laughs> yes, yes, hell yes. You know, I think it goes back to a lot of the, the principle that Andrew used on the uh, campaign on his platform, wh which is readjusting the incentives. So I love what you're saying, Kateri, because you're saying, hey, we can see the negative right now, right? However, mm -hmm. our job... And the best way to spend our time is to find the solutions. And again, the thing we love about Yang is finding solutions and not getting overwhelmed by the problem, although it's overwhelming, but finding the solutions. So what are the solutions? And so I think that's awesome. And, and like realigning the incentives to be to where this positively affects our humanity and humanity. And mm -hmm getting the best and brightest minds around mm -hmm. that and making that a cause and an, an important, something that's important um, instead of, you know, otherwise. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I'm down mm -hmm. for that. Yeah. Do that. Yep. I like the idea of the imaginary and I definitely am going to check out the book. That fits mm -hmm. right cool. along our, our thinking. Yeah. Yeah. It's a beautiful book and it's short. So I highly recommend it. Oh, cool. Cool. And, and you mentioned also something to me earlier today about community and community spaces mm -hmm. as a mm -hmm. potential solution. 
Yeah. So I think my kind of whole line of thinking there is like, you know, the, the, uh, the documentary starts with everyone being asked the same question of like, what, what is the problem? And like, mm -hmm. they don't really have an answer. Right. Um, and then it's one of the mm -hmm. gentlemen, I forget his name. He's not like brought up too often, but at the end he's like, it's just the business model. We just need a new business model. Like I was saying a second ago, you yeah. know, and I think as Yang, we can really kind of see why he's right. Mm -hmm. um, and so they were like, yeah, you need, we just, we want regulation. And you guys were talking about earlier how it's just so striking that that is the consensus among all of these people who are behind the curtain. Um, mm. So I 100% agree with that. I think that's pretty much has got to be the first step, right? Mm -hmm. Like we just need, we just need these barriers that they cannot cross. Um, but I, I wonder if that's like systemic enough too, you know, like mm -hmm. um, how, like we still at the, at the end of the day, like we're still kind of like the users of these platforms, even if like we're not being taken advantage of, we're still there. Um, so yeah, I think investing in education and mm -hmm. investing in real community spaces. Um, uh, it's hard to hate someone. Actually, this is um, a thought from our, the interview we did yesterday with the authors of our book for this month, which is called Union. Um, and we were asking about how we can be less divided. And they were saying, you know, it's hard to hate someone when they're right in front of you. Mm -hmm. You have to reckon with their like basic humanity. Yeah. Um, so, you know, if you're someone who never in interacts with someone from a different viewpoint and you're only on social media and you're in that bubble that we all pretty much fall into, it's like really hard not to, you have to really cultivate that. But then mm. you step into an actual space where you can't just like mm -hmm. mute someone who has a different viewpoint from you yeah. and you're forced to have a conversation with them. Yeah. Um, might make, make you realize that, you know, like there's some things you didn't think about or there's just certain things that you weren't able to communicate. Mm. Right. Um, right. So, yeah, I think investing in people, investing in real spaces and our ability to mm. uh, be educated, reason, have logic and deductive reasoning and critical thinking and all of those fancy things that we really all should be doing. Um, yeah. I think there's other things we can do as well that that might help, help in a lot of ways, but help in this way as well. You know, Sonia, I don't want to cut you here, but I'll just mm -hmm. say this really quick. I love, Sonia and I talk a lot about community and communi community spaces and communal living, and that's a key. And I also, I think about like what happens when we're not with people, when we're not in a community mm -hmm. situation, what do we end up doing? We get up, we get on our phone, typically. Like when you're alone, you're a million times more likely to be on your phone than you are if you're with people. And so what's hitting me as you're talking is just like how much more important community and communal spaces and even communal living can be in this moment to help pull us away from our devices and to bring us back into a moment where like we're face to face with other human beings. Absolutely. Um, so, you know, I was just thinking when you're talking, this is totally out there and that, you know, doing the imaginary, I'm thinking everything that we think of is always monetized. What if the app, like for a teenager, you had to go out and do a volunteer thing and then you get time on your app, you know, that there, it's connected with maybe your interaction in a community. Oh. So, then, so then your skills grow with 
you know, talking and conversing and whatever you do. And then, you know, it's not just, it's not just the digital device. You're also having to interact mm -hmm. somehow, but I'm just brainstorming. What are the things we could do that would mm -hmm. be different than what we're doing now? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that'd be great to just have a bunch of people start thinking along those lines and yeah, kind of like what you were saying that Yang talked about, I think, um, yes, in his book. So we have to kind of go outside of the boundaries of what our typical uh, mindset is. Mm -hmm. And I would yeah, say definitely. this is where it makes sense to spend money as a government on this type of thought process and information and research. How can we use the tools that we have to bring about uh the kind of quality of life and well-being that we want and need as a society. Where's the budget for that shit? Because let me tell you something, Yang presidency will have a budget for that shit. I, <laughs> <laughs> I know it will. Uh, yeah. Especially you know, if we can get him in the technology office. Oh yeah. yeah hopefully. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Going back to the point about the book that you read union, you had the authors on there um, and this divide one of the things that they've studied is with the like the neo Nazis, those the individuals that are really extreme. The way that change has come about, like in those worlds, is when they're connected, when they start to associate with someone who's of a different mindset, and they actually get to know that individual. So I think that's huge. Mm -hmm. The point you make is how do you hate someone when you're face to face with another human being, mm -hmm. and that's what we're we're not having with. Uh, with our devices, we're just, you know, seeing like a post online or a mm -hmm. uh, you know, Republican or Democrat or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, one thing that's that's come out of COVID, I think, is more of this, right? Is mm -hmm. more of like, okay, like the only way we can like have a wider social circle and actually like have a conversation is doing stuff like this, like on Zoom and here. And I know we're all like god awful tired of it at the same time. But um, hopefully it's like kind of amended online spaces a little bit and loud, you mm -hmm. know, and, and more podcasts and stuff like that have just maybe become more, more of a thing. And we can hopefully, hopefully keep it the way it is and have it continue to be this more like egalitarian free form mm -hmm. uh, kind of spaces. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, before we let you go, will you just tell us a little bit about the book club? Just plug the book, say whatever you want about the book club, obviously. Uh, just tell us about, and then like what book you're, you guys are reading now and all that fun stuff. Yeah. Especially, I, know, I think it's over there. Um, thank you. Yeah. I'd love to do that. Um, yeah. So, um, so the book club is, uh, yeah. YG book club. We also have an Instagram, um, which we're, gonna hopefully start like posting more in there soon so it's actually yang gang book club on instagram it just doesn't fit on twitter um mm -hmm. but the biggest thing is i would say other than that is the is actually youtube because that is where we actually have our book club discussions so yeah. our, our uh, book for this month is union subtitle a democrat a republican and a search for common ground so it's about uh, or it's like a memoir um, by the two authors who are best friends, but also one is a Republican and one is a Democrat. And they mm -hmm. meet like right before Trump's election and start going on road trips. Um, mm -hmm. And so it's like part mem friendship memoir with like politics thrown in there, part like travel memoir. And you get to like visit a ton of national parks and cities. Cool. They also, you know, 
do a great job of interviewing people. Oh, this is great. Thank you. Um, they also do a great job of interviewing people from all over, all over the country as well. So it's like this whole tapestry of places and ideas and opinions and, um, it's really well written. So, and it was great to have them on and they had so many wonderful things to say. Um, so we are really trying to have the authors on, um, I I guess I'll just speak really quick to the future earth by Eric Holthouse. We actually, we didn't even have like a proper book club discussion for that. We just had him on um mm. for the discussion because that was one where we're like we just want the expert to talk to us um yeah. and so that was great and and that whole book is beautiful because it marries like social justice with mm. climate change nice um, so cool. yeah i'm so so glad we picked it and it also just it also writes how it writes how we solve climate change as if it were a history it's really oh, wow yeah. I like that <laughs> yeah clearly Okay. Um, yeah, and we had, I mean, we've had Scott Santons on when we uh, we let him pick a book. So by, a, it's called The Tyranny of Kindness by Teresa Finicciello. And uh, she came on, which was amazing. And they had like never, and this, this was like the book that got him kind of interested in UBI and they had never met before. And we just like yeah, sat back and watched it and had this whole conversation. Yeah, like we've done yeah. some really, really cool things. Oh. So, um, we're really excited. Um, we haven't yet announced um, the book for October, but we will. Oh, tomorrow. We're going to announce it tomorrow. Um, nice. And it's our first fun book, and it mm. involves zombies. <laughs> so <laughs> we're going we're gonna to have some fun. Yeah. Zombies, but also like Reconstruction era um, America. So cool. So yeah, our, you know, we our goal our, that we're working towards once we get into a better climate is to have you know, Yanging really uniting around, yeah, on the Twitter page, but like creating IRL chapters uh, of the book club. So you can mm. uh, kind of keep your community together and, you know, we can maybe take some of the ideas that we get from the diff- all the different books mm-hmm. we read um, mm-hmm. and find some sort of action to take from there, you know, even sure. if it's just helping to spread ideas. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so it's been great. Um, it's been a lot of fun and, yeah, we're gonna do do lots of also uh, DM us if you want to do a takeover because those oh, are oh oh that's right been popular yeah nice. so Andrew Andrew likes them it's really cool he like retweets oh, them cool. he's he's the best is he not he's just the best he's just the best, <laughs> the best. but you guys are awesome yes. too and thank you for what you're doing I mean me and Sonia both we love books so we like did. yeah like, yeah so you should definitely do a takeover even Sonia yeah. even if though you're not on Twitter you can oh, just send sure. us a video oh cool. yeah. I'll do that. Yeah. Well, yeah, we need to. Sonia has some real good recommendations. <laughs> but yes, I want to well, hear those. Yes. Yeah. Thank you again so much. You're awesome. Keep up the great work. We appreciate, you know, how you are perpetuating ideas. They really do change the world. So thank you thank and you. to you and Megan. And all the best. Stay safe out there awesome. in California. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, yeah, I'll guess and I'll I'll catch you guys on the next podcast. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> cool. Thank All you. Right. All right. Thanks. See you later. Bye, Bye guys. Bye. <sighs> wow. Great. Wow. Yeah, I could talk to her forever because she's into the books. <laughs> yes, right. <laughs> oh my gosh. So uh one thing before we kind of transition to our last little segment um is that you know we were talking about solutions and like uh, how we might adjust our own independent, like daily behavior in light mm-hmm. of all the 
information. And one sure. thing I thought uh, about was today actually was, okay, what if I went and got a old flip phone, you know, right, and, right, and right, had my right. phone number on right. the phone, you know, and then I kept my actual smartphone Mm -hmm. And then I like checked it like three times a day or something. Yeah. And then I told people like, if you need to get in touch with me in an emergency, you know, um, right. call me or send me a text on the like old, you know, old have, phone, yeah. yeah, no, no full keyboard kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> and I thought that might work, but then That's I don't an know. Idea. Yeah. I don't know. I have no idea if you can even still get those phones. Yeah, that's a good question. I think that's it's challenging right now. I mean, yeah. an idea would be, I guess, for someone to limit usage, uh, maybe delete some apps that you don't use. Um, mm. A lot of it, but even they talk about it in the film. I think a lot of it is kind of divide is having, I guess, some degree of discipline maybe to divide or maybe giving yourself not being too hard on yourself, but just saying, I'm not going to be on my phone for a few hours, you know? Yeah, I think, it's, I think it's, it has to be sort of like a gradual thing. That's how addiction is. I mean, it's probably pretty hard to go from using true. it all the time to completely not. True, true. And I would say, too, like maybe the first place to start would be to say to yourself, OK, when I'm with other people, mm -hmm. if I'm out and I'm like having dinner with somebody or if yeah. I have a friend over or whatever. Of course, we're living in a very different world now, but I'm just generalizing here. Uh, I'm going to like keep it in my purse or I'm not going to look at it or I'm not going to mm -hmm. allow myself to look at it like once unless, you know, I don't know, you, you put it on the like, you know, it rings only when certain people call you like, you know, right. Yeah, you know, whatever. Uh, associating a ring to someone who is like an emergency that you would take a call for, you would be interrupted for. So I don't know that that might be a good place to start. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I've turned, I'll turn my phone off, but here's the problem. I don't have a problem with turning it off, but I've noticed when people are trying to reach me, family members, for example, my mother will say, how come you're not answering your phone? And I'm like, <laughs> are you kidding? Like I literally have to have my phone on 24 seven. So I'm okay with turning it off. I think, um, but the hard thing is what Tyreen said is we, you know, she uses it for everything and so do I. So yeah. it's, it's kind of a tool that you use for other things, not just phone calls. Mm. And, so, uh, yeah, it's uh, you, you're going to need some really bright minds to get behind the platforms and you need good, good leadership, I think, to yeah. ethical leadership to start yeah. to move this in another direction. Yeah, for sure. Well, you know, I think the thing that's ironic and Amazing. fitting at the same time is just, uh, you know, how much this can be tied back to what we discuss on the podcast um, you know, the having mode, the being mode, and how the having mode of existence um, is rooted and grounded in kind of greed and, and having things. And really, if you boil this whole thing down, mm -hmm. it's about, you know, the business model, as we yes. already stated, but it's about profit and it's about having, it's about greed, right? Mm -hmm. And so this, we could even tie back to the having and the being modes of existence and the clash between the two. Absolutely. Um, what, what I think also impacted me probably because you and I have talked a lot about from on this and I'm, I'm working towards like trying to do meditation and trying to be more in the moment. Watching this documentary 
shows me how it doesn't allow you to live in the moment. You're living in this, you know, this world that that is not real. And mm -hmm. that 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 made an impact on me. So I think something that would come out of this for me is is really trying to be present and to follow from and is being, which is a challenge, you know, in our world. But this, if if there was not a time that's calling for this, is now. This is this is the moment. Yeah. To really follow his timely, timely wisdom. Yeah. Yeah, hundred percent. It's certainly time uh, to to shift and to start thinking differently, and and to rethink, you know, how we're doing how we're doing humanity. Right. I mean, this is affecting all of our society, but I think the way change is made, it, it can be, and it can be overwhelming, but I think you have little pockets. And this is where this film helps is the knowledge and little, little changes. And within, within the world, you start to see differences. It's got to yeah. start somewhere, right? Right. Absolutely. And um, I think, you know, we've seen the first step, which is the actual film, um, and I'm, I'm so, so thankful and I hope that it stays in the top 10 on Netflix for as long as possible. Cause it's, oh, yeah. it's more, so important. More people that uh, know or become educated, uh, mm -hmm. hopefully that, that, that it will impact where we're yeah. where we're heading towards. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, I am very happy that we did this. What do you think, Sonia? Oh, it's but, awesome. I yeah. love having Tyreen and Katari, right? Kateri. Kateri. Okay. Yeah. I loved having both of them on, uh, talking about the film. And if there are people out there who haven't seen it, please yes. go see it. Yes. It's really worth your time. It's 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 uh, very engaging. It's done mm -hmm. really well. Mm -hmm. And what I like is it's not really promote it's there's not one side. It's giving you the reality of the That's platforms. so true. That's yeah. so true. It's not polarizing at no, all. Polarizing. Yeah, please watch it. Um, have conversations about it. Think about how you might, you know, change your life in a way that ultimately you don't allow profit models to to mold your behavior and shape okay. and change who you are and what you're thinking. Um, that I think is the crux of what I was like, damn, that's not cool. You're changing me. You're changing who I think how I think and who, who I am. And so, uh, yeah, give yourself some time and space. I would invite you all to give yourself some time and space to think about this and to, you know, read about it. Um, this, this book is a great book on the same topic, Reclaiming Conversation by Sherry Turkle, similar, um, but find other resources. I'm sure, um, you know, the Angang Book Club would have some suggestions for us too, but um, uh, and I'm going to plug Data Dividend Project. They need yes. to look that up because any anybody who's interested, you can sign up and to not have your data be just yes. given away. <laughs> data Dividend Project is huge. Uh, of course, if you're in California, Prop 24, vote yes. Mm -hmm. um, and in any way that you can support, of course, even Humanity Forward, they're one of their main pillars of, and goals is uh, data as a property right and, and shit mm -hmm. and these things. Of course, I'm sure Center for Humane Technology is a good place that you can go to find some more information. So thank you all for being with us. Yes. We appreciate you. Um, much love. Please take care. And uh, we'll have another episode out soon. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Have a good night. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.